0: And I'm going to look at Luke 23 tonight. I'm going to get, uh, always want to get into God's Word. And uh, even though there's just a handful of us tonight, uh, we can put it out on the Internet and who knows who will listen to it. So, um, but I I just, from time to time, I like to go back to the, uh, I like to go back to the cross and what, and tonight kind of part of what was leading up to the cross Um, You know, I'm just, it's a good thing to remember and to think about in your mind, even though it's not Easter, we're not, uh, you know, we're actually getting closer to Christmas and anything, but I'm just glad to think about uh, what Jesus did and I, you know, the Bible spends a lot of chapters in that, that day, you know, the beginning of the day and then leading up to the cross in the afternoon and if it spends a lot of verses on it it just shows us how important it is but uh, i want to look at luke tonight luke 23 Verse 1 says this, and the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate unto the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry and beginning from Galilee to this place. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to learn from your word. Uh, Lord, that it would go out in power uh, like you promised. And Lord, let us never forget the sacrifice that you made on the cross for our sins. Lord, I I ask that you'd use me, Lord, and uh, help us to uh, go uh, read through this and learn through it one more time. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So you think about what led up to Calvary and uh, just before this would have been Jesus' betrayal. Uh, he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, led away to Annas first uh, and then uh, after that he was led to Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, and then it was der- there at Caiaphas's house that uh, there Peter denies Jesus three times. They try to find witnesses against Jesus but they can't. Uh, none of their stories would match up. Uh, and then finally they ask him, art thou the son of God and he answered ye say that I am and he's basically saying you said it is what he's telling them Uh, so they condemned him without any witnesses at night uh, which was all totally against what they were supposed to do Uh, then after that Judas tries to return the 30 pieces of silver the chief priests reject him he throws the money on the ground and he hangs himself and you know the chief priests being religious and all they couldn't put that blood money back in the treasury they could pay it from the treasury, but they couldn't put it back, uh, so that's why they bought the potter's field to bury strangers in, and all of this fulfilled prophecy. Uh, and uh, so they find him guilty of blasphemy their uh, their Caiaphas does they mock him, they blindfold him, they strike him with the palms of their hands and and mockingly say, "Prophesy who hit you," and they lead him away to Pilate and that's where uh, luke twenty three uh, the beginning of the chapter he is this is the first time before Pilate, and we see the accusations there in verse two. they say first. Uh, we found this fellow perverting the nation. Now, Pilate was a Roman governor. He was cruel. He was ruthless. Uh, so, what the Jews were hoping is they would bring Jesus to Pilate, and he would just accept it. He would say, "You know what? Okay, you want him dead? Uh, I'll give the death sentence. You know, and we'll be done." That's what the Jews were hoping for—just a quick uh, a thing. But Pilate starts asking questions, and and he asks questions because the Jews they accused him of things. Number one. They said he was perverting the nation. They're saying that hey, Jesus is starting. Uh, he's going to start a revolution against Rome. And you think about how ironic that is. They're claiming that he's going to overthrow Rome when that's what they wanted him to do, and he wouldn't do it. So it's the it's the exact opposite. But they knew uh, that uh, they can't bring him to Pilate and say he's a peaceful man. He's a uh, uh, you know he's telling us to uh, live peaceably with the government. They, that's not going to work. So they just make it up. They say he's perverting the nation. Uh, But Jesus in John 18, 36, a parallel passage, um, was talking to Pilate when he asked if he was king. Uh, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So they, they say he's perverting the nation, trying to overthrow, start his own kingdom. And Jesus told Pilate that's not what I'm here to do. Uh, And it doesn't sound like the words of a revolutionary. Uh, That doesn't sound like someone who's ready to overthrow, but it does sound like someone who's ready to give his life for the sins of the world. And that's Jesus Christ. So the second thing they say, Jesus was forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. And again, how ironic is this? He's saying that what Jesus is telling us to do is not to pay taxes to Rome, not to pay taxes to Caesar. But how ironic because remember the same uh, religious leaders that tried to trap Jesus, remember uh, they asked him in Matthew twenty-two seventeen, 17, uh, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? And then right there, they could have said, oh, Jesus said, no, don't you pay Caesar? Don't don't you give him anything? Uh, but he asked for a penny and asked them a question: Who is this image and superscription? They say unto them, "Caesars." Then saith he unto them, "Render therefore under Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's." See, they thought they were going to trap Jesus in that question because either way, he—if he just said pay tribute to Caesar—they just said, "Well, you're you're just under Caesar. You're you're answering to him. You're uh, putting your allegiance to him." And if he said, "No, not." to pay, then they would say, oh, you're starting an insurrection. Either way, they could trap Jesus. Oh, but Jesus was smarter than them. He said, you give the things that uh, render the things to Caesar. That means when we have to pay tax and we have to do things for our nation, then we need to do it. Uh, But when God says he expects things of us, we need to do the things that belong to God as well. But the third accusation was that he was saying himself, uh, uh, Christ is a, they said uh, Christ is a king. That's what they said. Uh, But here's the only accusation that Pilate cared about. He didn't care about the first two things. He didn't care. Uh, uh, he didn't care about uh, any of that. And I, I think it's because he didn't believe them. Uh, because you think about, they're saying he's a revolutionary. He's saying not to give tribute, uh, and he's saying that he's a king. And there you have. Uh, remember, it's Jesus standing before him. Uh, he doesn't have an army. He doesn't have soldiers. He doesn't have all this stuff. He was beaten up at Caiaphas's house just before that, so he's got bruises. You know, he might even be bleeding. From From his face already. And you think about that. He doesn't believe them. And uh, uh, because if he did believe. That Jesus was starting a rebellion. And made himself king and everything else. He would have said he's guilty right then and there. But he didn't. Pilate's looking at Jesus with his physical eyes and he doesn't see someone born in a palace. He sees someone who's bruised, someone who didn't sleep all night because he was awake praying when he got arrested. Uh, And if he was the king of the Jews, why do the Jews want him dead? It didn't make sense. And then, so he asks him basically, art thou the king of the Jews in verse 3? And he says, uh, Jesus could have said no. If Jesus would have said no, Pilate would have released him right then and there. But he didn't say that. Jesus didn't call 10,000 angels. And in fact, you know what he could have done? He could have just walked through the crowd. Remember when he was back at Nazareth and they were mad about what he preached, claiming he was God? They drug him to the top of the cliff and they were going to toss him over and he just walked right through the crowd. Nobody could touch him. It had been the same thing. He could have done the exact same thing. Uh, He could have walked through them, but uh, he he didn't bring a defense. He didn't get out of it. He said again, similar to to Caiaphas, he said, thou sayest it. He's saying, uh, it is like you say it is. Or saying, yes, I am. I am the king of the Jews look at verse 4 then said Pilate unto the chief priests and to the people I find no fault in this man So this is Pilate. Remember the cruel, ruthless Roman governor uh, and who later realized uh, it would say later in the passage that he realized that they brought Jesus to him out of envy because they envied him. Uh, He knew that Jesus wasn't guilty of anything. He wasn't guilty of insurrection. He wasn't guilty of not paying taxes. And he said he was the king of the Jews. But he also said, my kingdom's not of this world. So Pilate had nothing to fear. There was no fear uh, of a king of a different world. Jesus had done nothing wrong and Pilate said he was innocent. But verse 5, And they were the more fierce, sinks uh, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. So now the Jewish leaders are getting desperate. They're getting angry or their plan isn't working. They were hoping uh, that Pilate would have just went along with it and pronounced him guilty. So now they have to come up with another accusation. He stirreth up the people. He's planning a revolt, a riot, something like that. Now the Roman governor, he he really couldn't ignore that. He had to think about it because they were always uh, uh, there in Jerusalem and in Judah. It was always a place where the the Romans had to tread lightly. Now they were in control, uh, but there was history of revolts and everything uh, with the Jews. So they were uh, in the back of his mind. He knew he had soldiers. He knew he had all these things, but it was very political. They had to keep the peace and the balance and everything else. So he finds out he's from Galilee, sends him to Herod to be judged. But Jesus answers nothing to Herod. Herod finds no fault in him and sends him back to Pilate. That gets us down to verse 13. Pilate calls the chief priests back. In verse fourteen, say uh, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people, and behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of a necessity you must release one of them at the feast. So he makes this pronouncement in verse fourteen and fifteen. Pilate says, uh, So remember in verse 4, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Verse 14, I find no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. Down to verse 22, "I I have found no cause of death in him. Remember, Pilate's the governor. He's a politician. You see what's happening? He's, he's trying to keep the peace. He's trying to keep the Jews happy and trying to not uh, uh, have an innocent man be killed. He knows Jesus is innocent. Uh, he knows he doesn't deserve uh, the death penalty. But look where he started out saying he's completely innocent in verse 4. and verse 14, well, he's innocent of what you've charged him with. Maybe there's another charge. You know, maybe he's not fully innocent. You get down to verse 22. I found no cause and death in him. He at least hasn't done anything worthy of death. You see where Pilate's going? He's getting weaker and weaker as it goes. So then Pilate's solution in verse 16. Did you see that? Uh, let's chastise him. Let's have this innocent man whipped uh, so that way maybe the Jews could be satisfied uh, and I, he can get out of this problem. And it's the same scourging that they end up doing anyway before they send him to the cross. So this wasn't a light punishment. This wasn't like a, a caning in Singapore or anything like this. Uh, people a lot of times died of that scourging before they even got to the cross. So they're saying, oh, okay, uh, here's Pilate saying, I know he's innocent. I know you uh, brought him before me out of envy, uh, but I'm trying to keep the peace. Maybe if we just whip him within an inch of his life, this innocent man, maybe that'll appease the Jews. You see how wicked it's getting. There, there's no justice anymore. He's just trying to uh, be a politician. And you realize Pilate tried everything he could to get out of having Jesus crucified. He tried to reason with the Jewish leaders. That didn't work. He tried to send him to Herod uh, to have him make the decision. That didn't work. He tried to release him because it was the feast. Remember, you pick one and I'll release them. Uh, And he he suggested Jesus. Uh, But none of that worked. He had to make a decision for Jesus. And I thought about that. That's the same for every one of us. We can't push it off to somebody else. You've got to make a decision on Jesus. Was he innocent? Absolutely. Pilate didn't want to make that decision. Was he God? We have to make that decision. Yes, he was. Did he die for the sins of the world? Yes. Did he rise from the dead? Yes. Uh, are you and I a sinner? Yes. Will we call on his name for salvation? I'm Praise God we did. But these decisions everyone has to make. You can't put them off to somebody else. You can't wait. You can't appease the world and yourself and uh, do what's right he couldn't get out of it he tried to compromise and it didn't work verse 21 but they cried saying crucify him crucify him the same voices that cried hosanna a few days before were now yelling out to crucify jesus and the voices were getting louder so basically what was happening is a real riot was beginning to happen And here you've got the cruel, ruthless Pilate is desperately trying to save Jesus' life, but he's more worried about the crowd. And he was more worried about losing his post because if he can't handle Jerusalem and Judah, they'd have kicked him out. They'd have replaced him with somebody else. And he knew that. 22, and he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. See, he's getting desperate now in 22. Why? What evil hath he done? But the ruthless crowd wouldn't get up, give up. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. They just got louder and louder. Doesn't that sound like the world today? They're trying to just get louder and louder than we can, trying to overpower the truth. And these are some sad verses, 24 and 25. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. He gave them what they wanted. He did what they wanted. And he released unto them, uh, unto him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison. That's Barabbas, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Pilate gave into the crowd that day, gave them what they wanted, ordered Jesus to be uh, scourged and put to death by crucifixion. He released Barabbas, which was the one that truly committed insurrection and murder, not Jesus. But then it ends in verse 25, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And I thought that, isn't that an interesting way of putting that? Pilate gave them what they wanted. That's what it's saying. But they said it the way the Bible says it. He delivered Jesus to their will. And I stopped and thought about that. In all reality, Jesus getting scourged and dying on the cross was the Father's will. Yeah. Right? Now Pilate thought, well, I'll just give them what they want. But it was really what God wanted. And you think about all these times where You know, they they thought they were getting the one up and everything. But in all reality, it it was prophecy being fulfilled. And it reminded me of Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin Many and made intercession for the transgressors, and you think about that hundreds of years before it took place. There's the prophecy right there being fulfilled every bit of it, and it just amazes me. I've been uh, watching this Bible teacher who's kind of doing a virtual tour of the Holy Land, uh, and he's showing pictures and different things of like where things took place. And you know, you always think about Calvary being this giant green mountainous hill far away, but it really wasn't. That fortress was right. Uh, You had the temple and you had that fortress uh, and they led him out the gate and it was pretty much right out there was that hill of Calvary and it wasn't way out of the way. It was right outside of the gates of Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem and there was that road that went to Damascus. that, That huge trading road so that everyone that went by would have seen Jesus dying on the cross. He died in public. He didn't die in private. But, you know, I thought about that. The same road to Damascus is the same one Paul walked down later and saw Jesus again. What an amazing God. You know, I think about it. What uh, what what a what an amazing picture. And, and what amazes me every time when I think about the cross is he could have at any time stopped all of it. That he voluntarily gave his life. When it seemed like others were in control, Jesus was in control the entire time. And he did it without a defense. He did it without, he told them the truth. He didn't get out of anything. It wasn't a a series of unfortunate events. It was God's will the whole time. And yet, even though it was God's will, you look at Pilate, he made the decision himself. He was more afraid of the people than of the truth. And that's the sad part. I'm going to open up the altar tonight.